Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to be in a couple of different places, um, but I'm going to start out in in, uh, in Timothy, and uh, in, in, in first, uh, Second Timothy, I'm sorry, I'll get my mind right here in just a second. Second Timothy chapter number one, verses seven through nine. Uh, verses 7 through 9. I'm going to read a, a few verses here, and then we'll flip over to um, the book of Samuel, and we'll read a few verses there. Bible says here in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be thou not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, uh, uh, nor of me this prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Uh, I was studying out something this week, and I, I'll get into it in just a second, but um, these verses here just stuck out to me that we're not to have a spirit of fear, um, uh, but, of a, but of power and, the, and of love and of a sound mind. Um, that's everything that God gives us. That's the power God gives us. And I think that the time that we make that verse real, uh, that we that we step up and say we don't have nothing to be afraid of. We don't have to. We don't have to stand scared. We can stand ready. We don't have to. We don't have to back down to the enemy. We can stand up to the enemy. And I was thinking about that and being scared and facing our fears. And uh, my mind went back to a day that we all remember, or most of us remember, um, and that was uh, September 11th, 2001. Um, I can take you back to the very place I was. I was in the fifth grade classroom of Mountain Park Elementary School. And um, we, we heard about the towers hitting, and they got us the TV in there, and they plugged it up and turned Channel 12 News on. We got to, to watch some of it, and we didn't really know what we were watching, just to be honest with you. As a fifth grader, I'm not sure how old I was, but um, 10, 11 years old, something like that. And um, I didn't really know what I was watching, um, but I remember there was some fear that built up in me. And later on, we learned of the heroic uh, efforts of the firefighters and the first responders that day in New York City and in that Pennsylvania field and there at the Pentagon. We learned that as what we were staring at on our televisions, um, as the massive planes crashed into those buildings and out in that field, we, we watched in terror and we watched in fear. But during all that, there was a few men and women that stood up and they went in and faced their fears. They went in and, and went into the towers and, and they went out there into that into that field not knowing what they were going to get into. They ran uh, when everybody was running away they ran too and um and they, they faced their fears. They were facing their fears. And, and, and I think a lot of times that uh, we let fears run us away. But God has told us we're not, we're not to have a spirit of fear but of a sound mind. And, and so when we're thinking about fears, I got to thinking about a man um, that I want to study about. And it's one of David's mighty men. Uh, one of David's mighty men here. And that's a man by the name of Benaiah. Uh, Benaiah, if I'm pronouncing it right, that's the best I could give you. But a man by the name of Benaiah. Who was Benaiah? you say. Uh, let's find out in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse number 20. The Bible says this um, in verse number 20. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of, uh, of Cabazil, who had done many acts, he slew two lion like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of the pit in the time of a snow. And in verse 
one, and he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. So who was Benaiah? Who was a man by the name of Benaiah? Number one, we know that he was a he was a valiant man. He was a man of war. He was a man of strength, a man of power, uh, probably a cunning man or a, or a man who was, uh, he knew how to fight. He knew how to uh, get down and dirty and, and really fight the enemy. Um, he was one of David's mighty men. He was the son of a, or grandson of a valiant man. Um, he was probably the son of a priest, of what I've studied a few people believe, and the man who had done many great acts, as the Bible says. And here's one thing that he'd done. He refused to accept the status quo. He refused to accept the, the, uh, the, the status quo. And I think we need to find a few more men today that's that way. A few more men that just doesn't say that, oh, being a Christian is all that's going to be. Uh, uh, the mindset of me, my four, and no more has got to end. Uh, we need some men that's going to step up and some women that are going to step up and say that no matter what, I, for the cause of Christ, I'm going to get down and I'm going to witness to whoever I've got to witness to. I'm going to tell God to, about whoever I need to tell God about. If God says do it, I'm going to do it. Um, and we live in a day's time that uh, we, we, we serve man larger than we serve uh, God. If you work in a, in a public place and uh, you've got a, a, a boss man, if that boss man tells you to go do it, you go do it. Um, but if God tells you to go do it, you question everything that he says. You wonder, is that the right thing to do? We live in a time where that's not what we're supposed to do. We're living in a time where, where, we, where we look and, and for the approval of man over the approval of... Um, of God, that's what we do. But Benaiah, I was thinking about him. Yes, he was serving man in this scripture, but I believe that we can take his life and we can look at his life and look at some parts of his life and we can really learn something tonight about Benaiah. Uh, about Benaiah. Number one, let's take a look at what made him a valiant man. What made him a valiant man? And if I could title the message tonight, um, here would be my title and this would be it. Benaiah the lion chaser. Beniah, the lion chaser. Uh, number one, what made him a valiant man? What made him a lion chaser? What made him go down into that pit and, and, and kill that lion that day? He knew that lion. There's a lot of things we could talk about that lion. He probably, he may have knew that lion could have come into the town and hurt people, but he went, he, he knew that there was a problem. That lion had to go. And, and he didn't wait on come to him, he went and chased that lion and killed that lion. So Benaiah, the lion, lion chaser, and the, or you could say Benaiah, the lion slayer. Um, you could say that as well. But what made him have the ability to do that? Number one, I believe it's because of the company he was a part of. Uh, the company he was a part of. Think about this right here. He was one of 30,000 who faithfully served King David. Uh, I think of, of being a servant of King David. I mean, I, I think it's a big thing sometimes for me to get to say, youth pastor. Amazing Grace Baptist Church. What an honor that is to get to say. I'm the youth pastor for Dr. Jonathan Barker. I get to say those things and those words mean a whole lot. I could imagine it was the same way uh, uh, for Benaiah. He got to serve King David. He was one of 30,000. But not only was he one of 30,000, he was one of 30 of David's mighty men. And not only was he one of 30 of David's mighty men, he was one of three of David's mightiest men and even served David as his bodyguard. Um, this was the man that David wanted as a bodyguard, and I can only imagine. He went down there to that Egyptian and just plucked the sword. The Bible says it just 
plucked the, uh, the spear out of that Egyptian's hand. Just went down there like it was nothing and said, yep, you got a hold of that spear. Yep, that's my spear. And then he killed him with that spear. I, I, that's the kind of man I want protecting me. Um, uh, I, I, me standing out there trying to protect David would have, would be looking like Colt trying to stand out there and protect somebody. Uh, my little three-year-old trying to stand out there and protect somebody. That's what it would be like. That's exactly what it would be like. Um, but this man was a great man, a man, a warrior. I could imagine what he looked like. Uh, I bet he, I bet he was a stout, as a stout as could be. I, I mean, I, I could, un, I can only imagine what this man really looked like. Pictures don't give him credit. I found a picture online. I actually saved it on my um, on my phone because I thought it was pretty cool of Benaiah going into the pit after the lion. But I still don't think the picture gives credit of what kind of man and how the strength and uh, how strong this man Benaiah really was. We see that he was a valiant man because of his company. Then we see that he was a valiant man because of his cause. Uh, I know that's a little bit of a, of a tongue-tied there, but uh, because of his cause. Look at this right here. He loved to serve David. First uh, Chronicles eleven fifteen. Let me turn over there real quick. I ain't got that uh, that saved, but uh, you can you can follow me. Eleven fifteen. The Bible says. Now three of the thirty captains, which that was three. That one of them would have been Benaiah. Uh, Went down to to the to rock to David. Went down to the rock to David and the cave of Adullam and host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of uh, uh, Rephaim. He was standing there. They were they were they were fixing to go in the war. And we see that Benaiah. As you study that out, you'll find out that Benaiah uh, was the one that came down there. And Benaiah um, was there. Benaiah was ready. Uh, to serve God. Benaiah uh, was willing to serve David. He fought his way through the enemy line. Think about this right here. Uh, David, during the, at one point during the battle, at one point during David's reign, uh, uh, and while he was running from Saul, um, David had his three mightiest men fight through the enemy line just to get David a fresh drink of water. Okay, just to get him fresh drink of water. Now that was enough. Imagine what happened when he got when they brought this water back to him. So now they've left the cave that they were in. They went and fought their way through enemy lines, got behind enemy lines, went in there and got a drink of fresh water, brought the water back through the enemy lines, went back to David, give it to him, and what does David do to it? He poured it out on the ground. I'd right then I'd have said, See old boy, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm out of here. You ain't gonna. I about killed myself for this water, and you poured out on the ground. What are you thinking? That's what my. That's what be going through my mind. But what was going through Benaiah's mind? He said, "I don't care if you're gonna. I don't care if you just waste it all. But I'm gonna serve." And I think we need some men that's gonna step up today and say, "Oh God, no matter what happens, no matter how much of a mess that I may make this, and God, if you if you make a waste of my life because I've messed up, I'm still gonna serve you, God. I'm still gonna get in there and do what you asked me to do, no matter." the cost, no matter the pain, no matter the humiliation, I'm still going to serve God. We need some men that'll step up and do that. We need some men that'll be real men. Men that'll not, not just be some sissy. Some men that'll step up and serve God with everything in them. That's what we need in our day. We see that he was um, he was a valiant man or he was a lion chaser because uh, um, he loved to serve David. But we see this right here. He loved or he lived to resist the enemy. He lived to resist the enemy. He learned. He learned who the enemy was. There was never a time when you follow out Benaiah's life, there was never a time that he questioned where he was supposed to be. He knew that his man of God was King David. 
good. He knew that that's who where he was supposed to be. And he held in there. And he went on. And he done what God told him to do. He never questioned the man of God. He never worried, is this going the right way? Are we doing the right thing? He put his head down put on his sword, and went off out there and done what the what the man of God told him to do. We need some men that are willing to back our man of God. We need some men that are willing to live, to resist the enemy for your man of God and for God himself. We need some men that will step up. It's time. we. You look online today and you, you follow people of modern day heroes. I googled it last night. Modern day heroes. And there was nothing to be found. The only thing that could have been found about modern day heroes was some sissy with pink hair standing up with a with a with a with a gay pride flag. That's the kind of heroes this world looks for. Where's that man of God that's going to take the word of God and going to stand up and say, I'm going to be a warrior. Here's my sword and here I go. Benaiah done that. Benaiah stood up like a man and faced the enemy like a man. He lived to resist that enemy. We see he was a valiant man or he was a lion chaser because he loved to serve David because he lived to resist the enemy. Then here it is. He longed to be the best. Benaiah longed to be the best. Why, why don't we step up as men and as church people and as preachers? We step up and say, I want to be the best. I want to step up there and stand with my best suit on. I want to stand up there and, and stand with the with, uh, with the best outline. I want to stand up there and preach and give out the word of God with my best voice. I want to have the best haircut, the best, the cleaning, not for looks, but because you're standing in a place where you are, uh, uh, you are weak, but you're standing in a place with the power of God, you can be so strong. We've lost the respect for that pulpit. We've lost the respect of what that wooden pulpit stands for. We lost the respect of what it means to enter into the house of God. We've lost that respect. It's our time to step up. It's our time to get a hold of God and realize that we got a battle to fight. We've got a battle to fight. He longed to be the best. I believe he trained a lot. I believe he trained a lot. Right here is where we can get our training from. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand is where we can get our training from. We got to be. I, I, I mean, when's the last time you you uh, um, you read your Bible so hard that you were tired? You prayed until you were tired. I, I was reading stories of of great Christians. Heroes and heroes and heroes of Christianity of days gone by and men who prayed and they got along with God earnestly. They didn't go and, and pray up until the ball game came on or they didn't pray through the commercials of a ball game. They got in there and they said, I'm going to put everything aside and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God's face and train themselves through this word of God. Be trainers. We've got to be our best. We see that uh, he was a lion, because, uh, a lion chaser because of his company, because of his cause. Then we see it was a lion chaser because of his conflicts. Look right here, he's a lion chaser because of his conflicts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. And this is one of the verses in our Bible, verse number 20 of 2 Samuel, chapter number 23. Uh, I, I've kind of got my missed my spot here, but in 2 Samuel, chapter number 23, verse number 20, uh, we he or really uh, um, the the Moab yeah in verse number twenty line like men of Moab I started studying that out and this is where I believe Christians we miss the mark 
And it comes right down to missing where we get our information from. This is where we need to get our information from. This Bible. We don't need to worry about this. I've got, I got two iPads sitting right here in front of me that I've got a lot of information off of. But you know what? Most of my information come from, and the main part that if I can back it comes from this Word of God right here. It comes from this very old Word of, this is God's words to us, and we should use them and take them. But in verse number 20, it says two line like men. So I started studying this outline like men, and I found out that that according to uh, the King James Bible, the words lion like men were men who fought like lions. All right, this world has twisted that and said that it was men as lions. It was men, uh, the half man, half lion. That's not what my Bible says. That's not what the King James Bible told us about it. It was men who could fight like a lion. I, I think about, I can't help but think about two lions fighting. Uh, I always have to go to the Lion King. And I think about when Simba comes back to Pride Rock and, and, and the Lion and, and, and Scar are, are battling back and forth and they're fighting. I could imagine what that would look like in real life. Two lions, uh, uh, fighting each other to the death. I could only imagine what that would look like. And you get that picture in your mind. And that was the type of men that was facing, um, of Benaya that day. Two lion-like men. Two men that could fight. And I was thinking about that right there and I was thinking about some things on what that would mean. Uh, um, Romans 7, 14 through 25. We're going we're gonna to be right there. So if you want to be looking right there, Romans chapter number 7 um, uh, uh, verses 14 through 25. But I believe that uh, there's so many types and metaphors in our Bible and these two lion-like men of Moab to me is a type of the flesh. To me, this is a type of the flesh, a metaphor for a type of the flesh is what this is. Romans 7, uh, 14 through, uh, verse, chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I, uh, for what I would that I do, I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not do, that I do. If Now if I do that I would not, it is no longer, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law uh, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bearing in me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that when my mind I myself serve the law of God, but the flesh the law of sin. Those lions right there were were a type of the flesh. Think about this right here in verses seven, in verses fourteen through twenty-five of Romans seven. Um, Thirty-eight personal pronouns are mentioned right there in those few verses. Thirty-eight personal pronouns. Look in your Bible. Look how many times you see the letter I or the word I in there. I, 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 I. At the heart of every sin is I. The middle letter of sin just happens to be I. You'll know where the first, most sin comes from. It's I. It's me. That I, I sin because of me. I don't sin because of nobody else. We need some men and some women that'll stand up and uh, and take ownership of their sin and realize it's not this world that's making me sin. It's not the television. It's not people around me. It's myself that is making me sin. And Beniah went that day and slew the flesh, if you want to look at it that way. He slew the flesh. 
Look at this right here. He slew the Egyptian giant. Uh, he slew the Egyptian giant. I believe that when you see in talking about Egypt in the Bible, it talks about the world. world. And you see right here, he slew the Egyptian giant. He slew the world. He slew this world out of his life. First John uh, two, uh, First John chapter number two, uh, verses fifteen through seventeen. Let me turn there real quick. First uh, John chapter number two. First John chapter number two, verses uh, fifteen and seventeen. The Bible says this: Love not the world, neither the things that are that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of uh, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Uh, we see right there that that Egyptian giant is the type of the world, and we see that 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 we are to kill this world. We are not to be a part of this world. We are to be in this world, but not of this world. This world does not need to be a part of us. And I want to get somewhere, so I'm going to move on right here. He slew the lion. He went in the pit and slew the lion. Now that lion right there, I believe, is a type of the devil. He went in there in First Peter 5.8. We learned that the, Bible, that the devil is like a roaring lion. He walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's what First Peter, uh, Peter 5, 8 and 9 says. So here's my question to you tonight. Uh, uh, here's my question to you tonight. What line are you chasing? What line are you chasing? Are you chasing the line of your flesh? If you are, you need to kill it. Whatever that is that drags you down, whatever that is that causes you to sin, whatever that is that leads to sin, whatever that is that gets you away from your Bible, that is your fleshly, that draws you away from that, you need to get rid of it. We need some people and some men that'll be some line chasers, but not chase after the wrong line. Look right here, the line of the flesh. We see the line of the world we talked about a minute ago. Are you chasing after the line of this world, the things of this world, the the, uh, the accolades of this world, the rewards of this world? Are you uh, Are you chasing those? Or here's another one. Are you walking about with the lion? Are you walking about that line? Are you walking with that line? Or, or, or with that thing that is pretending to be something that it's not. I think about, you look at a lot of our churches today. Uh, you look at a lot of them and they're just pretending. Um, if you're, if you're coming in on Sunday morning and you're preaching that, 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 that you're a Christian and you're saved and, and then you go right after church on Sunday morning and, and you think it's okay to drink a little bit of alcohol or, or you go on Sunday morning and you think it's okay to, uh, to, to say a little cuss word here and there because somebody else has said it or you go out here and you live like, uh, you live like the world through the week. Guess what you are? You're walking with that one that is pretending to be a lion. Here's the one we need to be chasing. What about that line of the tribe of Judah? Chasing that line of the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus. If you didn't know your Bible, in Revelations 5, he's described as the line of the tribe of Judah. Are we chasing that line? That's the line that we need to have our eyes on. That's the line that we need to be chasing. I think of some biblical line chasers. Look at this right here. Moses. Moses was chasing freedom. He was chasing freedom for himself. He was chasing freedom for the children of Israel. He was, his lion was that freedom from Egypt, that freedom from this world. I think about Noah. Noah was a chaser. He was chasing the will of God. He was chasing where God desired him to be. And God desired him and the will of God was him to build that boat. The whole world thought he was crazy. 
We need some men that will step up when this world calls you crazy. And because you're serving God, you're right where God wants you. You're right where God wants you. Abraham, his, his line was faithfulness. Elijah, he was them tempters of God. He was chasing those tempters. He said, go ahead and tempt God. I'll show you how big my God is. Daniel, he was chasing the promises of God as he stood in that den of lions. He stood in there. I could imagine all the things going through his mind at that moment are the promises of God. The promises of God. He was chasing those. Joshua was chasing that line of war. He, uh, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was chasing that lion of prayer, that line of prayer. Hezekiah, we know he was in, uh, he, he was the, the king of Israel when the battle, when the Assyrian army was coming and, and you could see him in the horizon coming at him and, and in one night God sent the death angel and killed them all because Hezekiah was chasing that line of prayer. And we see Samson, he was chasing the line of strength. Samson was chasing that line of strength. Benaiah, he actually chased lions. He chased that lion into that pit. John the Baptist, he was chasing that line of being the forerunner for Christ. He, he, he got that ownership and he took it. He didn't just hide with it. He went and served God the best that he could serve. And he was chasing that line of being a forerunner. We see Jesus Christ chasing that line of souls. He was ch His line was lost souls and it's still today jesus jesus christ is still looking for lost souls out there and you think i think a lot of times we get our eyes so far on the second coming that we forget about the souls that are lost here god's not done with us folks god's not done with us right here god's not done with the church of uh, of america god's not done with the people in america god's looking for some men god's looking for some people to step up he's looking for some lion chasers to chase some souls he's looking for that then we see paul who his line was missions. He was chasing the missions. He was chasing those missions. I think of some modern day line chasers. John Harper. He, he was born May 29th of 1872. He died April 15th of 1912. He was a Scottish Baptist preacher. He started preaching at the young age of 18. He got on the Titanic to come to America to preach at Moody's Church for several weeks, maybe even intern as a pastor there. He was being faithful is what I'm talking about. As the ship began to sink, we know the story of the Titanic and what happened there. He got his daughter and his sister. His wife had already passed. He got his daughter and his sisters on a lifeboat and got them out to safety. And as soon as they were safe on a boat, he began to talk to people about God. As the boat, as he knew that his death was going to come right then, he didn't go curl up in a ball. He didn't go try to save his own self. At one point, he even gave up his life jacket to a man that said he was lost. And he told the man, you're going to need this more than I need it. Um, he, was, he, he was a man who was looking for soul. There was a story told years after his death of a man who was floating, who did survive the crashing of the Titanic. He was floating out in the middle of that cold Atlantic when here comes a man just drifting by him, dying in his last breath. And he said, do you know the Lord and Je do you know the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior? Do we know him? And the man said no. And he floated apart a little bit longer in God's divine wheel brought them back together a little bit later and he asked him one more time are you saved and that man right there in the somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic lost and undone without God he found the Savior that day and became on to be a preacher the best of my knowledge we think of William Thindale who is best known 
William Tyndale, who's best known for translating the Bible from Hebrew, Hebrew and Greek into the text to English today, uh, he was uh, he he his work made him an enemy of the Catholic Church, and and we know that he went on that he uh, to deny any of his work. He was he was going to die had he not done it. They were going to hang him at one point when they realized what he'd done. They took a knife and scraped the anointing oil that was placed on his hands. They scraped it off his hands with a razor blade. That he was being a man. He was chasing his line. Then, folks, we got to chase our lines today. We got to chase them. God's put them there. And we got to chase the lions. And he got to do it. We know he died that day. Lion chasers like Jim Elliott and D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon and the, 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 the late Billy Graham, the C.S. Lewis, Fanny Crosby and John Wesley. Think about them were some known famous lion chasers. Let me tell you about a few more and we'll be done here. Of some mighty quiet lion chasers. Some private lion chasers. Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash, who was a he was blinded. Um, uh, but he was a blinded private prayer warrior. Uh, one uh, one great evangelist said this that um, that Daniel Nash was an, an indispensable element of an effective crusade to reach lost souls. He was a prayer warrior. He was a blinded prayer warrior. He got along. God gave him an illness in his eyes and his eyes made him blind. But what did he do? He didn't get bitter. He made that bitterness and turned it into being better. And he became the greatest silent warrior you would ever need. His grave is not somewhere in a tomb somewhere that people go by and visit. He's not He's not got the, as, as Billy Graham, he doesn't have this great Billy Graham library to go to. You can't even find where he was born at. Oh, but you go right behind it. I believe it's a cattle sale today. You go out behind it out back, there's a little rock that says Daniel Nash, mighty in prayer. If that's all that was ever said about me when I die, mighty in prayer. What great words to say. His lion was prayer and he wanted to get a hold of it and he took it and he owned it. He stepped up and became a man and said I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to pray with whatever thing I've got. William Hunter most 19-year-olds had probably just walked across the stage. His parents probably, and in today's time, his parents had probably, uh, um, if he'd have been living today, had probably paid for his college or maybe even had him a new fancy car and had him set up to, uh, to, to reach the world. But William Hunter, a 19-year-old, was a martyr in the spring of 1555. He stood as a 19-year-old boy, would not denounce the Word of God. He stood on the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus and what God done in him. He stood as a 19-year-old little boy and died. And even to his brother was proclaiming Christ to his brother as he was burning alive. I think of Gladys Allwood. She was a missionary who, by the grace of God, hiked nearly 100 orphans through the jungles of China while being chased by Japanese soldiers. Here's my message to you tonight. What lion are you chasing? What line are you chasing? Has your lion uh, uh, consumed you so much? Your line of sin, has it consumed you so much that you're so bound with sin that you can't serve God? Has that line, has it consumed you? Or are you chasing after that line of the tribe of Judah? And you're searching with everything in you. You're dealing with everything in you that God has called you to do. And chasing after Jesus Christ and chasing after them lost souls. Where are you men of courage? Where are you 
men that's going to step up and, and quit hiding and running from the call of God? Where are you? You're going to step up and announce that calling? Where are you, Sunday school teacher that, that hasn't even been prepared for Sunday morning yet? Where are you, Sunday school teacher? Where are you, deacon that's ready just to serve God, serve your man of God? Where are you, women of the church? Where are you, prayer warriors? Where are you at tonight? What line are you chasing? We're all line chasers. But are we chasing the light line? Are we chasing what God has called us to chase? Are we in there to fight the good fight? Are we doing, are we being that warrior that Beniah was? That great warrior Beniah? I thank you tonight for your time. I thank you, the church, for the opportunity to get to do this. And I hope you got a help out of this. So, Lord, sure burden me with this. I prayed right before we got on here that the burden that God gave me for this message of being a lion chaser, the burden that he gave me for this will not go away after this message. But it'll stay so strong. It'll stay stronger than it's ever stayed. And I pray that it gets a hold of you. I pray that it gets a hold of our county. I pray it gets a hold of our state and our country. And we'll start being lion chasers, not after men, not after Satan, but after God himself. That's what I pray. That's my prayer about this.